0: to thrive. Welcome to the Thriveology Podcast with Dr. Lee Balkum. Join us as we explore ways that you can thrive in your life, regardless of what life throws at you. It's your life. Time to live it. Hey, this is Lee Balkum, and this is the Thriveology Podcast, the podcast designed to help you thrive wherever you are in life, whatever's coming your way. I believe that we can learn to thrive not by the fact that good luck has come upon us, but the fact that we deal with what comes our way. We overcome it. We grow through those things. And that's my point for today's podcast. If you want to just stop now, my point is to grow, to keep growing. But let's go a bit deeper into why that's a problem, what keeps you from doing that. When I was a kid, uh, I was a pretty gangly, uh, fairly uncoordinated kid for uh, a long time. I was pretty small at the beginning. I kept on growing until I was 6'4 somewhere in in college, and I was about 6'2 by the end of high school. But along the way, it was just a steady growth where when other people kind of stopped growing, I kept going. But I was growing so fast at certain points that I would knock things over. I would reach for something, and my hand would get there at the wrong time. And I remember lots of times people saying, man, you're so uncoordinated. The fact was, I was just trying to figure out my body and it was moving so fast, I was having a hard time keeping up. The problem was, that's how you were judged being a boy and being that age. Could I help with sports? Could I play sports? Could I be on teams? Could I contribute? Could I make a basket? Could I make a hit? Can I make a catch? And the answer to that was not really, not really, and not really. I wasn't very good at those things because my hand-eye coordination didn't ever catch up at that point. And because of that, I was a little off balance. And I remember how many times through elementary school and even through junior high and, and even into high school, I would wait to be the last one or second to last or maybe third to last at best to be chosen to be on a team. And I wasn't that natural athlete, and I use that, I put that in quotes because we're going to talk about that in just a minute. You know, I wasn't the one uh, who had the buff body, but those are tied together, which is what we're going to talk about today. The fact that I wasn't that athletic kid led me to not be doing athletic things. I would be chosen last, which is really a shameful thing if you're a boy growing up at that point. I felt a lot of shame about the fact, and I just dreaded when it was time for that to happen. Once again, I would watch as one by one people were chosen over and over until it was me, another person, maybe three of us, before I got chosen. And that reinforces a belief for you. So I grew up feeling like I couldn't play sports When I got to college, I still had that belief, and I remember when I was one day in one of those intro gym classes where you had to go through and do uh, both health class and, and gym, and we had to do lots of different sports, and I was out there playing softball, and I remember going, oh my gosh, here I am again, my childhood dread, swinging and missing, swinging and missing, swinging and missing, swinging and missing, and the first pitch, I swung. At this point, my body had quit growing for the most part. It grew a little bit more through college, but for the most part, it was pretty steady. My hand-eye coordination got a little bit better, and I smacked that ball. And probably nobody out there was more surprised than me when it landed way out in the outfield. Now, my thought about that was, well, that was an anomaly. Next time a bat, smack, I hit the ball. Now, I'm never going to go back and play baseball. I don't have any future in playing professional ball. But I suddenly realized that maybe there was something that I had missed about myself growing up. But I kept on going. Never considered myself to be an athlete. Kept on uh, moving through life. And so when I did anything active, many times it was because I either really wanted to do that activity, like I would go skiing, but I wasn't a great skier. I would go surf, but I wasn't a great surfer. I would do things because it seemed like it would be fun, not because I thought I could compete Didn't think like I was the athlete to go out and do those things. When I would go jogging, you know, and that was, we called it jogging, not running back then. I would go jogging uh, around the campus, and it was mainly because I knew I ought to be getting some exercise. Then I went to grad school. At grad school, I did a few things. I played a little racquetball, which I had done in high school. But for the most part, you know, I just consider myself a person who did a little bit of activity because I knew it was good for me. I had locked into my mind that I was not the natural athlete. I was not an athlete at all. I was not athletic. And I continue to believe that. Sometime in my mid thirties, I got sick. I've talked about that story many times, but during those years uh, up until then, I had not been taking care of myself. I had not been much living in my body. Uh, If you're familiar with some of the self-help gurus, I had been distant from my body. I'd been living in my head. had been doing a lot of activities in my head and I was aware of my own um, uh, levels of, of thought and of emotion, but I wasn't so much living in my body. So I wasn't doing many activities. I let other things crowd them out. And then I got sick. And in my recovery, I realized I had to take better care of my body, which was interesting because for a long time, I thought, well, I mean, it's my body. It's, it's not in that really good a shape. It's not an athletic body. There's nothing to it. And so I started getting in shape because I didn't want to be sick anymore. I didn't want to get sick again. I wanted to live as long as possible. I wanted to make the most of my bonus time after being sick that I didn't think I was going to have. And so I started working out in the gym. I remember just going in, and the reason it happened was for this one simple reason. My wife knew that I'd always wanted to learn to scuba dive, and so she got me into scuba class at the Y., And I went to scuba class, and that first class, the instructor asked us to do some swimming so they could assess us. And I thought it was kind of a test of, could I do this class or not? It was really just them making sure they knew who to watch out for, who they might have to be worried about during the class. So we had to swim six lengths of the pool after swimming underwater as far as we could. Now, while I'm not athletic or didn't consider myself to be athletic, I'm pretty darn stubborn. So when I pushed off to swim underwater... I held my breath almost too long. And so by the time I got to the other end, because I refused to give up until I got to the other end, I was out of breath and tired. My body had just taken on something that I really wasn't prepared for. And then I swam six lengths of the pool, three laps. And I dragged myself up right beside the instructor. And I looked up knowing that I was toasted. And I said, if your point is that I needed to be in better shape for this class, I got it. He smiled at me because that was not at all what he was thinking, but he let me hold on to that. So the next day, I went to the beginner gym at the Y. They had a circuit laid out that you could easily go through and kind of match how well you were in shape, and I wasn't. So I went through, and the trainer kind of helped me set up the machines, and I remember I kept going around and around those machines over the weeks. I was getting a little bit stronger, but I sure didn't want to go to that main room where the athletes were working out. I would stay back in my beginner space. So I kept doing that for a while. And I thought, you know what? I probably ought to add on a little swimming because, I mean, scuba. So I swam laps. That got me in a little bit better shape. And I thought, you know what? I might be able to run a little bit. So I started running a little bit. And as I started getting better and better, And more and more into shape. I started noticing my body was responding a little more, dare I say, athletically to what was going on. I was getting better at what I was doing. I was getting stronger. I was getting a little faster. And I kept doing those things. And then a buddy said, hey, why don't you go adventure racing with us? Which meant that I would be trail running and I would be mountain biking, something that I'd never done the mountain biking before. And so I had to learn to do that. And I'd be paddling. I'd done some paddling before. So I agreed. Got a new bike, figured out how to mountain bike a little bit, and off we went to the adventure races. Now, the races themselves would last somewhere between eight hours and about 24 hours. Some of them go longer, but we mostly stayed in that range, and so we would be racing for long periods of time. I just felt like I was doing something that was kind of fun to do with a couple of guys. And then I thought, hey, I wonder how far I could possibly run in the woods, because I was really enjoying the trail running. So I started training for a trail marathon. Turned out I could run 26.2 miles in the woods on trails. That was kind of fun. But I remember the time when somebody came up and said, wow, you have an athletic build. You you look like a runner. And I said, oh, no, no, no. Yeah, I do some running, but it's no big deal. I do it to keep in shape, I said. But I noticed that I was doing some other things, like I was paddleboarding to see how fast I could paddleboard and just to enjoy being out. And then more recently I was involved in jiu-jitsu right up until the pandemic when I had to put that on pause, but up until then I was doing jiu-jitsu and I did that for a couple of years before the virus. And that wasn't half bad, I kind of came to realize. Along the way several people have said, "You know, you're pretty athletic about that." And I always discounted it for one simple reason. That was not my mindset. I didn't believe myself to be an athlete. How could that possibly be true? I remember me as a kid. But I started to think about this because I was at a conference. I've written a number of books at this point. I was at a conference and this person came up and said, you know, I really want to write a book. I said, okay, and she said, but I'm not a writer. I said, well, tell me what you mean. She said, well, I'm not a writer. I haven't written a book. I haven't got anything published. I said, well, tell me what you do. And she told me that every day she would sit down at her computer and write. At the end of her conversation, I said, you know, that makes you a writer. And she said, oh, no, no, no. I mean, I haven't written a book. I haven't written an article. I haven't had anything published. I said, but you're writing every day. I mean, if you write, that's the definition of a writer. It's even in the word. And she laughed and she went on, she thanked me for that. And she came back later and told me that that had made a difference for her because she started thinking of herself as a writer. And what do writers do? They write. Well, the interesting thing is after that conversation, I was out in Las Vegas. And so I went for a run. We were away from the town. So we were kind of out in some beautiful area and I went for a run and I was running. I was thinking about that conversation because I've never thought of myself as a runner here i was running and i've run a lot but i never considered myself to be a runner because you know a runner they're they're athletes they they compete you know kind of like in a marathon or something and they they do things like that and then it suddenly occurred to me that runners run that's what runners do it's not really whether you're a world class runner or set records it's whether you run or not so This began to help me understand one central thing about all of this. It's the mindset that we carry with us. It's the mindset that holds us back or pushes us forward. Carol Dweck wrote one of my favorite books. The title of it is Mindset. It's a great book if you haven't read it, if you're a parent or if you're a coach or if you're a teacher or if you're a human being, I think it's very important for us to understand her central uh, point. She says that there are actually two mindsets that we can carry around with us. We can carry around a fixed mindset or a growth mindset. She did a lot of research with especially middle school kids but other uh, populations to discover that this is a pretty central theme on how we do in life overall, but also in certain areas of life. Do we have a fixed or do we have a growth mindset? Do we believe that we are stuck in a certain way or that we can grow into new ways? So a fixed mindset is this. If you believe that there is an innate ability and that's just, it's just there or it's not, it's a binary thing, it's either there or not, that is a fixed mindset. If you remember yourself saying, you know, I'm not really good at math or I'm, I'm not really good at sports or I'm not really good at at reading, that was one of my messages, I'm not really good at whatever. Or if you say, I'm just a natural athlete, I'm just naturally good at math or I'm just a natural Whatever, whatever natural or not good at that you put out there creates a fixed mindset because it believes it's in there. It's not a I can get better at math. It's I'm not good at math or I'm naturally great at math. Both of those are fixed mindsets. A growth mindset says that we learn and get better at things because we are learning to get better and we practice them. It's based in the fact that our neuronal pathways in our brain learn new things as we try to do them. You can be awkward at something until you get the neuronal pathways created, the, the, what we call muscle memory, to do that. Or you may be bad at some activity until you practice it, understand it, and do it enough that the neuronal pathways line up the growth mindset takes into an understanding that the neurons are what lead us to learning. We get better at what we do. When I was a kid, I did lots of magic. So I wasn't the athlete. I've already admitted to that, which meant that I tended to the nerdy side of things. And so I did lots of magic. And Uh, Part of that was uh, started when I was pretty young. My father showed me a trick that his father had showed him and made me interested in how we fool people and what magic is about. I've always enjoyed that. I remember there was a magic shop at the beach, my favorite place to go while we were at the beach. The night before we left town, it was our last night and I went into the magic shop and grabbed some tricks because I wanted to take them home with me. I couldn't find them near home. And so I wanted to grab them and take them. And I remember this one trick that I just had fallen in love with. I bought it. And I thought, you know what, I'm just going to play with that while we're driving home the next day. It's a long trip home. So I'm going to teach myself that trick. So as we pulled away from the beach, I pulled out my magic wand. And I started reading their directions and realized that that particular trick required sleight of hand. It required me to make a fairly complex movement with my hand to make it work. I had somehow hoped that it was a self-working trick, to use the terminology that magicians use, and it wasn't. It was a sleight of hand trick. It took a skill. And I remember sitting there going, man, I can't return it. I mean, that's the thing about a magic trick. When you buy the magic trick, it says in the store, you can't return it because the thing about a trick is how it's done. And once you know that, then you spoiled it. So you can't return it. The other thing that was true was I also couldn't get help. Nobody in my car knew how to do that sleight of hand. And we were now quite a distance from the magician at the store who might've been willing to show me how to do it. So I was on my own. I remember setting it down just frustrated that I was not going to be able to do this. And then I remembered that we had a long way to go. And so I pulled out that wand and I started playing with it. It would not go. I could not get my fingers in my hand to go the way they needed to. I kept trying and I kept trying. I would put it down in frustration. I'd pick it back up, try again. I'd put it down in frustration, pick it back up, try again and again and again I had nothing else to do. It was long before there were DVDs or anything else in a car to entertain you. And so it was me and my magic trick the whole trip back. And I kept flipping it, kept trying, kept trying. And then I remember the moment when somewhere the neuronal pathways in my brain connected with my fingers and my hand, and it worked. All it took was for the neuronal pathways to line up, and I suddenly could do the trick. Now, at first, it was a little awkward. Then it got a little more smooth. Then every now and then, it would goof off. And then suddenly, I had it each time. I had it down. So then I got to try out the trick. And sure enough, it fooled the people that I showed it to. I had figured out something that clicked in my brain That led me to think I can do this sleight of hand. Now that led me to go, I bet I could learn to do this. And I bet I could learn to do this. And I bet I could learn to do this. And over time, I got to be a pretty good magician at those moves because I practiced them. Had no way of thinking about it at that point. But what I had done was adopted a growth mindset around the magic tricks. Even though in the beginning, I had a fixed mindset. I can't do it. Then I tried and suddenly it clicked in. That's the magic of a growth mindset. It allows us to expand into new areas. The danger of a fixed mindset is it keeps us locked in. We give this message to kids all the time when we say, oh man, they're just natural athletes. There's only two things you can do if you are told you're a natural at something. You can either strive to keep proving them right or avoid proving them wrong. So striving to prove them right means that you're always trying to be the best. You're always trying to be the natural. And the problem is naturals shouldn't have to practice. And and so it sets up this problem that you probably got good because you had an interest in something that drove you to keep doing it. And as you got good, suddenly you realize you were a natural at it, to put that in quotes. And then you realize if you kept practicing, you would disprove being a natural at it. And so many times the naturals stop wanting to practice because you shouldn't have to if you're a natural. The other thing that often happens with naturals, and again, putting that in quotes, is they don't want to disprove this, and so eventually they just drop out. They quit trying. They keep going in the sport because there's too much pressure. That's the problem with the fixed mindset. It locks us in to where we are right now. So here's the thing that Carol Dweck says, it's not that you have a fixed mindset or a growth mindset. You have places in your life where you have a fixed mindset, and you have places in your life when you have a growth mindset. That's how we all live, and the question is, can we expand our growth mindset to more and more areas? Some years back, I was working with a couple, and I kept finding we'd get to this place and we would get stuck. We would talk about changes that they were going to make in their relationship, and the changes wouldn't happen. And it was week after week after week. And month after month, we were just not making much progress. I remember at one point, we had to take a break. It was a a week break because uh, this man had to go to a sales conference. And the whole point of the sales conference was better ways of doing sales. Went into a lot of different techniques for selling. And he came back and I said, hey, how's that uh, selling thing? He said, oh, man, it was so great. I learned so many different ways to do it. So we began our session, got a quick update on the relationship. And he once again affirmed that he did not have the capacity of doing the things that he had agreed to do. Just couldn't do them. He didn't know how. There was no way he was going to get better. at it. And he finally said, this is the way I am. I've always been this way. I don't know why you think I'm going to change. So I paused him a minute and I said, let me ask you a question again about that sales thing. Tell me a little bit about what you learned. He started glowing a bit as he got pretty excited about these different ways he had learned to take people through the sales process, to get them to the point when they were saying yes to his proposal. I said, so you learned some good stuff there, didn't you? He said, yeah. And I said, do you think you're a better salesperson now? And he said, yes. He'd walked into my trap and I said, so tell me why it is that you think you can learn to be a better salesperson, but you're stuck being the spouse that you are. What I was trying to point to him was that he had a fixed mindset around his marriage and being a good spouse and and figuring out what he could do in the relationship. But in the sales area, he had a, a growth mindset He thought he could do better there, and so he learned new techniques and tried harder to get there. In the process, he improved his skills because he was learning what he needed to to be a better salesperson. So as we worked forward, we began to think about what skills needed to happen and how he might be able to practice the new skills to bring in a new place, to bring in some new growth into his relationship. The fact is that all areas of our life are opportunities for growth. We do have some genetics. I grew to 6'4", not because I chose to, but because that was in my genes and also because I got enough nutrition to get me there. But those are only the kind of the blueprints. You, know, you, you might say, well, you probably should have played basketball. Well, I didn't play much basketball, but I do remember a person who was more than a foot shorter than me who played at the university I went to, and he went on to be a professional because he loved the sport so much that he kept practicing, even though he didn't have the natural body build for it of being tall. Muggsy Bogues was the player. And I watched him do incredible things, not because he was the natural build, but because he practiced hard. And that's the thing. If we want to get good at something, what gets us there but by working at it? So how do you practice this growth? Let me propose a couple of ways that we can create more of a growth mindset. Number one, look for where you have a fixed mindset. Look for the places where they are there because those are the easy ones to move to. If you've got some areas where there are already growth mindsets, great. You'll just keep on expanding those areas. But the fixed mindsets are where we can expand even more into life. One way is to look at the places where you have said, oh, I'm just not a natural at that or I'm a natural at that. The places where you think, I'm just not that person. I'm just not able to do that. They can be anywhere in your life. They could be physical things, emotional things, mental things, wherever in your life you have come to the conclusion that you're just not good at that. Look at those places. Write them down. Make sure you can keep a track of them because we can switch from believing about the natural to the improving. That's an easy switch to make. Often, it's around the things where you say, I can and can't do things. I just can and can't. I can play ball. I'm just natural at it. I can't play ball. I'm not a natural at it. Those are fixed mindsets. The second place to look is for where you feel stuck. In my work with people, my coaching with people, what I've noticed is many times the stuck places are around areas of a fixed mindset. When we're stuck, it's often because we have adopted or adapted to a fixed mindset in those areas. We've adopted that mindset and adapted to that fact so that it stays, and that keeps us stuck. The third area to look at for your fixed mindsets is the places where you say, can't, I can't do that. It's a giveaway to a fixed mindset. I can't do that. I can't change. I can't be that person. Those are all fixed mindsets. So get them down and then begin to look for the places where you might be able to switch it to a growth mindset. And it's simple to say, oh, maybe I could work on being better at that. You don't have to go from, I can't play basketball to I'm gonna play in the NBA to say, I can't play basketball, but if I wanna get better, I could go take some shots. I could do that every day. I could learn some skills. I could watch some YouTube videos. I could play with people. I could practice. All of those are ways that we naturally can improve. The second thing to do is try out new things. Be a beginner because a beginner mindset is a growth mindset. When I went to jiu-jitsu, the first time I was there, I sucked, to be honest. I, I was bad. But why would I expect to be any different? Sure, I'd seen a few YouTube videos. I'd seen some jiu-jitsu moves in the movies, but I had never done them. So why should I be capable of doing them? Why would that be something I could do? So I could have gone and said, well, there it is, another thing I can't do because I'm not athletic. But I wanted to learn how to do it. And so I stuck with it. I kept going to class. And here's the interesting thing. If you keep going to class, you'll get better at it. One of the axioms, one of the sayings in jiu is a black belt is just a white belt who kept going to class, who didn't quit. Right now, I would say I was a blue belt because I kept going to class and I kept adding new skills and I kept figuring out how to do it. But it started with a beginner's mindset. Now, here's the interesting thing. Sometimes people start with a beginner's mindset and then at one point, they go from that to a fixed mindset. I should be good by now. As a blue belt, sometimes I got tapped by a white belt. And I could be saying, wow, I'm really not good because here I'm above them and they beat me. But maybe they had a wrestling background or maybe they knew a move better than me or maybe I put myself in a bad position or maybe I was trying out something new that I didn't have quite down and that's why I missed it. So I could see a place of growing just by holding on to that beginner mindset and by the way, I've done several uh, different podcasts on what I learned in jujitsu, and most of it is about being a beginner and letting it be a learning process. Number three, distinguish between can'ts and won'ts. I can't play ball. Really, was I wouldn't go play ball. I didn't want to be embarrassed by that. I'd gotten tired of being the last one chosen. I didn't want to do that. So the wants are often dis- disguised as can'ts in our lives. We'll say, oh, I can't do that, when really it's a matter of won't. So when you hear yourself saying can't, ask yourself the question, is this just something I can't do right now, but if I practice and it got better, I could move towards it? There are different versions of can't, and you need to understand those. There's a podcast on that too. But sometimes we get to the place where we realize the can't is I won't. I just won't do that. And to be able to accept that. Okay, I won't. I won't do that. I'm not going to go try to play basketball. I just don't want to do that at this point in my life. That's a fine statement to do. But don't hide it behind a can't. Number four is practice being a lifetime learner. Just by saying, you know what? We are built to learn over a lifetime puts us into a growth mindset. The fact is that our brain is constantly developing and growing and learning. If you find yourself saying, well, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. First of all, let me tell you, that's factually wrong. You can teach an old dog new tricks. And second, humans have the capacity of learning through their life about new things, and the more we are wed to the fact that we can keep on learning and growing and changing, more developing and more of a becoming, that's when we stay in the growth mindset. So a lot of times people talk about, you know, I'm a human being, so I need to be and I need to exist, but sometimes human being, we use that as a stamp, this is who I am, and I tend to try to think of myself as a human becoming. As I step more and more into that, I'm trying to become more and more of who I can be, of who I'm capable of being by learning more and more and escaping the fixed mindset. If this has been helpful, I hope you'll check out some of my books on thriving. You can find them by going to uh, Thriveology.com slash books. That's Thriveology.com slash books. That will put you on my Amazon page where it shows all the books I've got. You don't have to buy them there. You can buy them somewhere else. But check it out. That's Thrivology.com slash books. And if this has been helpful and you think somebody else might be better off by learning about a growth mindset, please share this podcast with them. Let them find some new ways of growing instead of being stuck in a fixed mindset. This is Lee Balkum wishing you the best as you work to build your thriving life. You've been listening to the Thriveology Podcast. Thank you for listening. If you want more information, visit us at thriveology.com or at thriveologymagazine.com. Remember that Thriveology is spelled T H R I V E O L O G Y. It's your life. Time to live it. Thank you.